So are you? Hey, I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Amber Garza. Hey, awesome. Welcome to the Sandman Salon. We're here to talk about the new line of Sandman Universe comics. We love the Sandman. This is a big old love letter. Our deep dive into the Sandman Universe. Bruce. With the launch of these new titles under the umbrella Sandman Universe, one of, there are four new titles. Four there. new titles. Last week we got to review the first episode of The Dreaming, which was awesome. And then this week we get to take a look at... House of Whispers. Number one. <laughs> written by Nalo Hopkinson, drawn by Dominic Domo Stanton, colors by John Rausch. And who does the cover? Sean Andrew Murray. Who is... He's an old friend of mine. A friend! Yeah, he's an awesome concept artist, and so psyched to see him. So cool. I looked up his stuff, and first of all, one of the coolest uh, signatures. Yes. Love it. (laughs) So designy. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's got great style. Yeah, and the cover is perfect. It's it's got the beauty. It's got that terrible beauty that I feel like is what it's all about here. And I don't know who did the logo design, but holy... Mary, Mother of Pearl. Yeah. There's a wonderful love of lettering that this whole series seems to be... That's so true. ...bringing back, like, the kind of, you know, kind of 90s, like, love of curvy type. Curvy type, and also just, like, beauty fonts. Mm -hmm. Beauty... I'm a font freak. Mm -hmm. There used to be a thing called font freak. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. I love fonts. Yeah. It's it's nice to see just sort of loopy, experimental font use that's um, just... I, I don't know. Yeah, and the Does, iconography of the sun and the moon and the star all within yeah. this it's a very, title. And it's a very elegant logo, too. It has a lot going on, but it's it's simple and, and beautiful. And perfect. And for, perfect. For what it is, for the story. So, Nalo Hopkinson, I just have to, like, fangirl out for a minute because huge, huge, huge fan Falling in Love with Hominids, which is a short story collection, is one of my favorite short story collections. When I was a kid, I used to read like Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine and um, some of the horror and sci-fi, those ones that you could get at the liquor store. Basically, they were newsstands. It takes a specific kind of writer who can master that, encapsulating a universe and a story in something shorter than a novel or a series of novels, which I think lends itself really well to comics. And I was, and I'm always really nervous whenever a really great writer who is not a comics writer comes and writes comics. Yeah, I was going to ask, has she written comics before? No, I I don't think so. As far as I know, this is her first comic. Exciting. And I am so stoked because she's so good and it's perfect. I don't know. (laughs) It's really, really great. Uh, there are others who have not been so good. Did you ever read Angel Catbird by Margaret Atwood? No. It was Dark Horse? Not good at all. Oh. I love Margaret Atwood. Sure. Not great. Yeah, comics are a whole different kind of writing, I think. They are. Uh, China Mieville, or Mievi, however you want to say it, uh, he writes urban fantasy. Hmm. Um, he wrote The Kraken and uh, Perdido Street Blues. And what is honestly one of my favorite, favorite Neil Gaiman next kind of authors and he wrote Dial H for the New 52 No es bueno? (laughs) No No. Uh. And it's that kind of when you love the writer and they not just 
they just don't deliver. I won't say more than that. It's so such a bummer. I can say the absolute opposite for House of Whispers, though, which is amazing. Yeah. We just picked it up today, and we both just read it. And, like, we're taking all these notes, but also just, like, I keep rereading it because there's just so much going on in it. And I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around all, all the different powers at play and like what it means with the greater story that the game inverse is cooking up. It's really fun. Every single character on the page is it, it beautifully depicted and interesting. There, there isn't a generic character in this entire issue. No, no, and there's it, no static. It's nothing but parties. <laughs> so it's just like dozens and dozens and dozens of figures and characters and the artists does an amazing job making everybody look distinct and yeah and yeah it, which is something so, that doesn't happen it's in comics hard. so often it's super hard yeah. and you know i am very sensitive and appreciative of how hard it is to churn out a comic you know especially if you're writing for dc or marvel which is a grueling schedule and the fact that um domo is able to just really beautifully deliver in everything it's like even the crowd scenes are detailed enough like on the first splash page it's uh the you wow (laughs) it's just so much detail i mean to the point where you can see the woman in the wheelchair right behind Berzuli. what's important i think to mention is that the writer and the artist are both black which i think is really important for a story like this and uh Oh my God, it's super queer. It is so queer. It is so queer. And we didn't mention this, but Josh and I, also super queer. We are super queer. (laughs) I I think that's part of why we felt this would be an important podcast. Yeah. The Sandman universe is a queer universe. It's a universe in which queerness is very important. And very visible. The way in which queerness was depicted in the original series was so important and Mm -hmm. so powerful to us, but... It's also really dated in yeah, some ways. True. Like looking back at it, and uh, you know, we'll get into that probably later on in our podcast. But I'm really excited to see this world revisited with a modern queer lens. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, bam. Yeah. Like cutie pock all yeah. over the place. And we'll yeah. get into all of it. But I mean, like, the first page we yeah. have. We're, we're greeted at the gates by a trans femme black queen. Yeah. Yeah, um, who is called Alter Boy, B-O-I. Yeah, I feel like B-O-I is kind of an, it's an older term mm-hmm. from like the gay scene of like the early aughts, maybe, mm. late 90s, uh, club scene. I, I feel like that was a common thing with like younger guys who had B-O-I. Oh, it's shirts. different from the lesbian side. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it was a an evolution of butch. Uh, soft butch, stone butch. Interesting. I think it's a lot like femme in mm. that way, where it's like it doesn't it doesn't require a certain gender to mm. use it, mm. um, and it is along the lines of a just a blending of masculine and feminine. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that side yeah. of it as yeah. a cis man, yeah, as, as a cis, cis woman. Look at what we're doing yeah, coming together. Yeah. And I, also, an important detail about Alter Boy is that she, she seems pretty old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To me, seeing that term that's been kind of out of style on the mm-hmm. on the male uh, club side mm-hmm. for a little while kind of spoke to her age. Right. And kind of the trends that she... I, I don't know. She reminds me of like an older club queen. So tell me what boy meant in that 
it in was, that context? Um, I think it was just a, a sort of a way of redefining uh, the label boy if you were queer and femme. Uh-huh. So, like, you could be boyish and uh, very twinky. Okay. Feminine. Right. But boyish uh-huh. boys would use B-O-I. And right. It was often, like, on a t-shirt, they would say B-O-I. Kind of basic. But okay. That's how I recall seeing it a lot. Okay. Late 90s, early aughts. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, there's a lot going on with this character, and we see more and more of her throughout the issue. Let's so, go. We should talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Starting with Uncle Monday coming yes. up in his top hat. Yeah. So From the uh, from the bayou, kind yeah. of? So, um, with crawfish. Yeah. So Crawdaddies. Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Monday, the kind of terrifying alligator spirit mm -hmm. uh, who Urzuli rescued from a cursed talisman necklace. necklace yeah the, he had been trapped in it he'd been trapped in it in uh, a tourist trinket yeah yeah in a crocodile tourist trinket mm -hmm. um so he's coming to her party like urzuli the vodou goddess of love uh, and many other things mm -hmm. um from what i understand is throwing a party and he shows up at her door with a big old sack of crawfish in a top hat he's greeted by altar boy who altar lets boy him, who uh Awesome. Fabulous. I mean, we don't know much about her yet, but like I'm I, I I'm excited to learn more about this character who seems to be the kind of the footman of Rizuli and she is throwing a gigantic party. Yep. Uh she's, have, she's throwing a fandango. A fandango. For her human worshippers. And so fandango uh is one of those words that has many meanings, mm -hmm. which I think is uh important. Yeah. Uh it is not just Obviously, it is not just the movie place where you buy your movie tickets. <laughs> so it is a Spanish dance. It's also the name for a a party. The dance itself is one of those very percussive Afro-Caribbean. Uh, well, it's it comes from Spain, and as we all know, there is a history of Spanish colonization throughout the Caribbean. We're immediately immersed in the diaspora that is uh, Afro-Caribbean um, African American experience. Yeah, here we are. Look at this. Right away. <laughs> right away. Yeah. There are go-go boys in fishnets. Oh my god, yes. Wait. And, and, oh. they're, and they're doing, some are doing acrobatics from the ceiling. There are uh, women in braids playing drums, uh, very African looking. And then they're, it's just... A chanteuse. Yeah. Uh, Urzuli in her mermaid form. I didn't notice her, her mirror is like a turtle shape. Yeah. It kind of is. She she has a little mirror in her hand. She uses it throughout the the comic for viewing others in the I think in the waking world. Yeah, because this whole party is taking place in the dream world. It's right? in the dream world, but I don't think it's in the dreaming. Yeah, which we will talk about at the very very end. Yeah, it's sort of unclear. Like it's in this liminal space. In the context, it is, feels like it is a different. Yeah. A different dream world. Yeah. And she's on her, uh, she has offerings. This is for her human followers, worshippers. Yeah. They're, how, they're, did, how did Alter Boy put it? Her human worshippers. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, her, she's she's receiving fo her followers and they're bringing her gifts. Mm -hmm. On her shell yeah. throne. Yeah. She's like sitting and receiving them and they are wishing for love, essentially. And it's just amazing. This crowd scene, it's like all the way up to at the top of the staircase in the balcony there where there's another go-go boy dancing you can see mm -hmm. that and the chandeliers and the design on the on the ceiling which is important later and then over to the left you've got the dj mm -hmm. it's like the more this is a it, pan a, it, 
you can just keep coming back to it. it. It's the best looking. It's the best party I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks incredible. It's funny. It, this in this art, the art is great throughout the, the whole comic. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna say it's super. Um, the 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 art that was in the preview comic of Sandman Universe number one mm-hmm. that we we reviewed last month. I thought it was okay. Like I didn't love the art. I mm-hmm. thought it was solid, but um, it was a lot of people talking, and it was. It was good character stuff. It was fine. Um, but the artists in this issue, really, they, they get to get super creative with these really deep scenes mm. and beautiful, like, interesting characters that um, you can tell they're having a lot of fun with it. It translates to really beautiful stuff. Oh, so much beauty. So much beauty. <laughs> and uh, so much curviness. Yeah. So many curvy women. And just different bodies, which is something you just don't see yeah you don't see it a lot and so the next page after the big one is uh receiving one of her worshipers who is wishing for love and this is the first panel that just sets the stage for the panel bordering and the panel construction and placement with this detailed uh, decorative panel outlines and then on the next page with the panel being drawn in flowers enveloped with yeah flowers and vines and it's just all throughout it. Yeah. I feel like the the art never shies away from being kind of just creative and beautiful. Yeah. And, and just gives you a lot. It's so at home in the Sandman universe is yeah. what I was struck by. It's like at home in and completely different from what came before. And that's why when I heard... When I heard that Nala Hopkinson was going to be writing it, I was like, mm. oh, yes. <laughs> this is, it's not going to be so white anymore. <laughs> yeah. Her mythologies are so rich. We've been talking a lot about the art, but the the story itself, it's one of those things which is the other thing that reminds me of and is perfect in the Sandman universe is it made me go to Wikipedia <laughs> just a ton. Yeah. You know, definitions of words and then mm-hmm. how, what is the mythology that I'm reading about? Like the yeah. same way that we were talking about the creatures, you know, in mythology and all these different traditions yeah. and belief yeah. systems. Yeah, these characters are delivered to us with a backstory. Oh, yeah. Which will be interesting to see what is taken or left or rethought. And it doesn't spoon feed it to us. It's like, mm-hmm. look, this is the pantheon, yeah. this is the story. Yeah. And get the get the idea. You, you know, you, it's up to you to dig in yeah. and flush it out for yourself. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, where mm-hmm. there was so much backstory that we were not told. It didn't leave us confused. It just it was a richness from which the story grew, which is how I feel about this as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If these were characters that were created from scratch, we would have had to like kind of stop to get to know them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great resource. It's it's a great writing tool to just have these characters that have a backstory that you can just launch from and keep get the story moving ASAP with new ideas and, and fresh characters and not have to worry about your main protagonists being unknown. And yeah, the same way with like Eve and Cain and Abel and yeah. you know all of these characters that um, are myths? Yeah, no. mo- modern myths. There's a... In one way or another. Right, so this is the modern retelling. Urzuli is receiving her followers, 
her um, devotees. There's a woman who is asking for love from a person who is not good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Urzuli says, all right, if that's yeah. what you want. Yeah, you, you get a sense that Urzuli receives uh, uh, petitions that, that the, mm-hmm. from yeah. her for love from people kind of all the time that are not really a good idea. Not in their best and interest. she just kind of, she gives them a little advice and sort of like tells them to kind of maybe wait a second if they're going to, if they're going to really ask for this and then they do anyway. Well, and, and then that's what she said in the short story of the Sandman universe number one, which mm-hmm. was like, I am the bringer of tragedy. It's the two halves of the same idea, love and tragedy. Yeah. I read this thing about Urzuli, trying to understand a little bit of her backstory and what, she, what her legend is. I'll read this little paragraph. And just Okay. She's often misrepresented as petulant and never being able to be satisfied. This is a gross injustice to this beautiful spirit. The fact that she often dissolves into tears is misinterpreted as her being dissatisfied with what is given to her. That is not it at all. She dissolves into tears because she knows that no amount of material wealth can make up for the lack of love and spirituality in one's life. Mm -hmm. So even though she is often served in luxury upon appearance at voted rituals, she is often racked with tears eventually. Mm. So like... She's two sides, like she's this decadent party spirit mm-hmm. who is all about love and wealth and, and bounty. Yeah. Yeah. But she knows that you can't have that kind of happiness without without pain and sadness and the way that I'm reading what's happening here is yes, people are petitioning her with oh a lot of what people are giving her is flowers. Mm. Um and yeah. The way that I'm interpreting all this luxury is like this is spiritual luxury in some ways where it's an opulence that isn't part of the material world. Yeah. But that thing that you read about how materiality is a recipe for tragedy, really, and or rather is not a recipe for happiness. I'll say that. Yeah. Like material wealth can't it cannot substitute for spiritual wealth. Yeah. And here people are going into the, her spirit realm and trying to buy it, essentially, with her mm. favor. They're kind of buying love, buying happiness through her, which is just, I, I think she she knows that that's not really, that's well, I not wonder, true. I wonder if all like, of these, I mean, I think that it is the human condition uh, of love that love is pain and love is hmm. joy. At love as a concept is both of those things. I don't think that everyone who petitions her, I think she gets some good petitions sometimes. I think she's like, although, you know what, now that I'm thinking through it, maybe hmm. the people who come to her asking for it, they shouldn't have to ask. Maybe. Like love should just yeah, be provided and grow. Like if you're if your love is meant to be real love, then you shouldn't have to petition a, a, right. a to make it happen. spirit for it. Right. You know? So, yeah. So I think there's this kind of dark edge to her favors. Yeah. They're like, maybe they do end in tears. Maybe mm-hmm. they are... Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how her magic plays out. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to give her that, like, kind of a, a tragic trajectory. Although yeah, she did but, say that. I mean, like, that is what she said mm-hmm. in... Uh, the first issue of, well, the yeah. one shot, which yeah. was like, I bring 
unhappiness. Yeah. There's a price for this sort of a party. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then she sends uh, her petitioner back. Uzuli is holding this, this fancy mirror, which she uses to kind of peep in on stuff. And we follow her gaze back into the waking world through her mirror. We are, are back in New Orleans. We're back in New Orleans mm-hmm. with the four young women that we met in the one shot. Yep, the three sisters, Habibi, Lumi, and Latoya, mm-hmm. and Latoya's girlfriend, Maggie. Yep. And Latoya's queerness is new to her sisters. And, you know, I could have sworn, I was like, so Habibi is an Arabic term of endearment, hmm. which is why I thought yeah. this maybe wasn't her name. But they have been calling her Bibi. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking, okay, maybe we don't know her name yet. You know, the power of naming. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe all we know about her so far is that is what her sisters call her. Yeah. Which is kind of like maybe sweetheart. I that would be super cute. I I feel like just in the world of comics, if they're calling her this name in mm-hmm. the comics, that I'm gonna like, I'm not gonna think too much about it. I'm thinking but a lot like, about you can, it. You can... All right, we'll, we'll have a, a friendly wager. <laughs> I'm her. keeping yeah. it. Because um, it is... Just it like is, Legion. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in his head. Which, actually, um, we're going to come back to... There's oh. a Legion-ish reference here. Oh. Um, later. That's cool. That I can't wait to have okay. you geek out on. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think her name is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't really know these folks yet. Maybe, maybe their dad's not... Maybe their dad's Arab. We don't know him yet. Um, yeah, it's just, so. it's it's more well-known as a a term of endearment. Yeah. Um, not to say it can't be a name, but um, they call her Beeb, so who knows? Yeah. I'm holding out that there may be <laughs> deeper meaning. A secret meaning. name. Secret name, a secret powerful name, name. Yes, but here's the cool part. Okay, okay. so they have a book. Uh-huh. What is that book? It's one of the books that are missing <laughs> from Lucian's library. Oh my gosh. It is a book that Lucian noticed mm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, which is such a cool thing because we are book nerds. Yeah, and Maggie had it right. Yeah. That, so Maggie, who Maggie. also gave the new girlfriend, mm-hmm. who also gave the cursed talisman to the kid. Yes. Right. So like. Well, I'm not gonna say cursed. I'm well, gonna say it was. Uh, Uncle Monday was imprisoned within it. Right. So, so we don't know where she got it. We don't know. It's she. Provenance. This is yeah. This <laughs> but, something up with Maggie. Yeah, and she's got fierce hair too. Uh, she's so <laughs> she's got a great look. I, I love her design. She stands out. Like the other sisters are kind of like they've got a much softer look, and Maggie is edgy in a way that's not like outlandish or unrealistic. But, like, there's something about her that makes me curious about how she got her hands on this stuff. Hmm. And I, and she's barely said two words. Yeah, no, like, she's, like, that's... She's kind of hanging out. She's very mysterious. The sisters, yeah, the yeah. sisters chat. They have their own little dynamic, and she's just sort and of hanging so out. so it turns out that the book is something kind of like a... What are they called? A burn book? Burn book. Yeah, it's kind of like a burn book. It's a book full of rumors. Yeah. And so they're reading it, finding out... The girls are reading it, finding out all these pieces of chisme and uh <laughs> what's her name um lumi is like she's like i'm putting this stuff on social media she's yeah. on her phone texting it around yeah and so this book that is a book of rumors mm-hmm. because it's from lucian's library 
Or the dream, it's Dream's library. Dream's Lucian's library. the librarian. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's Lucian's now, because Dream this shit. It's all Lucian's now. <laughs> so this book was never actually written. It was imagined by... Shakpana. Shakpana. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to really describe him. He's So he's part he, of the Loa, which is... Orisha are part of the Yoruba legend, and also part of Vodou, um, where these are the personifications of spirits, and then the Loa are kind of... Um, of whom Urzuli is part, um, are sort of demigods in a way. The whole concept of God is a little bit different in Yoruba and and Vodou Mm -hmm. because it's a lot closer to earth and human spirits, I think. And even though, you know, gods are personifications. Yeah, but they're they're essentially very powerful people Mm -hmm. in, in a way that is more humanizing than other pantheons, it seems. In, in a way, I mean, like, I think there are definitely analogs in other um, religions and belief systems, hmm. but there is, they are very closely tied to humans yeah. um, and make several appearances in the world. Although we find out whenever Shakpana visits the human plane, so do plague and pandemic. Yeah. So, and the way that he comes in through the television snow. Uh, let's describe the scene. They're handing this burn book around the, the girls are like chatting about it and as they're talking about it and handing it around we hear the narration it talks about his favorite game is collecting rumors mm-hmm. and he, he's he's clearly like this kind of a, a chaos sort of guy yeah and like yeah he, and through rumors and misinformation and mm-hmm. and false ideas and miscommunication he spreads plague and pandemic <laughs> which is like that's heavy and it feels super real and as they're passing the book around and Lumi is texting one of her friends one of the rumors in the book you see him on the TV sort of reaching out at her the owner of the book and he's sort of reaching out looking kind of surprised and he has like little bacterias around him oh my god he does yeah yeah uh, he is an amanusis of Olodumare so he's a supreme deity and what Amanusis means is a literary or artistic assistant, one who takes dictation or copies manuscripts. So mm. those steampunky things are sort of... Observation tools, recording I tools. think they're like magnifying glasses hmm. um, for detailed, illuminated manuscript purposes. Interesting. But he's, it could be something else. He's neat. But or, there's bacteria involved, so maybe. Yeah. So that's where I get the microscope. <laughs> because his chaos is uh, spreads plagues and disaster. And so Lumi says what we can do with the stuff in the book is play telephone. <laughs> then we go back to the party. It's so rich. The art is so rich. And mm. the story is so engaging that this is definitely one that you can read over and over again and just get more and more out of it. So it, what I didn't realize the first time, the mansion, it's not a building, it's a boat. Yeah, when he's, when Uncle Monday swims up in the beginning, you don't really get a full view of it. Right. And then later he walks out onto an open the deck, space a deck. onto the deck. Yeah. And it's, it's a gigantic, gorgeous houseboat. Yep. Um, it's a mansion boat. Mansion boat, which is just so gorgeous and decadent and amazing. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a scene on the deck of the houseboat where Uncle Monday sits down with Alter Boy... And Alter Boy is is plucking, plucking a, a, chicken. A, a, a big old bird. It, doesn't look like, it looks like a goose or something. It's a chicken. He's a pity you killed that chicken now, okay. right? Its head looks like a goose. Anyway, it's a goose-like chicken. It's it's huge, too. It's a very big chicken. But I'll, I'll, chickens are big. Right. Some chickens. Fair enough. I'll, I'll accept that it's a chicken. 
Um, City boy. Mm. <laughs> chickens can be big. I, I've seen plenty of chickens in my time. Uh, <laughs> but so Uncle Monday sits down with Ultra Boy with his giant sack of crawfish and starts to kind of horrifically devour one in this way that... Eating it alive. Even eating it alive in doing so in the most painful way, like in the way that is most painful to his prey. Because, because it, he says fear tastes good, basically. He, he said, it, you know, he, he prefers the taste of something that's dying in terror. <laughs> and, and he seems so nice, the crocodile god. Um, yeah, it's horrific. He like And horrifies yeah. Ultra Boy. Yeah. Ultra Boy's horrified. Yeah, they're just like being like, I'm just trying to like pluck my chicken in peace, yo. And, and this is gross. You know, Ultra Boy actually like <laughs> runs away with the chicken. Well, yeah, that's. That the, the, little part was super funny, yeah. um, like really cartoony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, one of my favorite lines is Ultra Boy going like, when Uncle Monday offers the live snack, <laughs> uh, Ultra Boy says, no, I'll just stick to cornbread, thanks, and hard liquor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. So like, I, I feel like Uncle Monday is becoming kind of a lovable terror. I want to see lots of him. Like, he's great. Like, he reminds he's me, terrible. He reminds which, me, in a way, where it's like, it's that kind of, like, terror. But you love it. Godlike terror, which is being huge and big and evoking of fear. But it's not a villain. It's yeah. not villainy. Yeah. He's reminding me of the Corinthian a little bit, who we haven't seen pop up in this whole new world oh, yet. Oh, yeah. like, See, the Corinthian, I thought, was a bad guy. Oh, he was super evil, but he got kind of reprogrammed. And became oh, God, that's right. more just like a, a terrifying force for the dreaming. You know, a relentless murderer, but... <laughs> Super uh, was, charming, of course. Was incredibly charming and mm-hmm. funny, and also, uh, you know, operated on Morpheus's behalf. So it did, although, like, I was just reading this thing, this recap um, mm-hmm. book uh, called... I think it was called Sandman, the King of Dreams, um, and I'll get the source or the citation for it later. And there's a thing where they're talking about the Corinthian in the context of Morpheus recognizing and acknowledging him as one of his mistakes. Mm. Like, he yeah. created this nightmare. <laughs> what were you thinking, <laughs> Morpheus? Why, why would you... Fucking terrifying, man. A, like, what, what? A guy with... Yeah. With uh, tooth eyeballs? It's also sort of funny, like, I, I didn't really think about him too much at the time, but, like, he's... He's totally like a... The Corinthian was a gay character. Oh, and, and was yeah. super gay and looked super gay in like this kind of George Michael, <laughs> kind of Tom, Tom of Finland sort of way. Yeah. Um, but like, wasn't Dream in prison before that look was even a thing? Like, how did he create him? Did he create him in like an old-timey fashion? And he... The Corinthian sort of just kept with the times? I feel like that. Yeah. Okay. I feel like he is... Uh, he is contemporary fear in that way. Mm. Like, he terrified me. Like, mm. I... He's real scary. He's real scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you ever read the Corinthian miniseries? No. It's great. Is it? Yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's called Death in Venice, I think. because he just seemed irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, he was sort of... That's... I mean, he was sort of dissolved into nothing and then re- <laughs> recreated. Reconstituted. So, so like, just add water. Yeah, I mean... I, I guess that sort of uh, lifts any ethical history from him, <laughs> right? Like, that's such a, it's a weird a thing. Anyway, so okay. uh, Uncle Monday is Big, sort of terrifying, in that vein. bloody jaws. Yeah. Oh, 
so juicy. Yeah, so he chomps this giant crawfish. That's right a huge crawfish too, right? I wonder, so I don't know the difference between a crawfish and a crawdaddy, although I know they're different. Yeah, me too. I, I just assume they were much smaller. People from this the south like, can yeah. get really irritated right now. So we, we, have, we have a new Facebook page. We do! If you have information for us on crawfish <laughs> and how we can learn more about them. Yeah, it's a salon. So the idea behind a salon <laughs> is it's a bunch of people, a bunch of interesting people getting together, talking mm -hmm. about cool things and sharing knowledge, yeah. which is what we're doing here, which is what we're going to try and uh, create offline. <laughs> offline. Not offline. Yeah. It's online. But off the podcast. Offline, online. <laughs> Really, wherever. <laughs> really, where's the we're, line? We're going to try and be uh, nifty and smart with and interesting people. We also uh, are going to have a email, thesandmansalon at gmail.com, yeah. so that we can have a conversation, because this is a conversation. Yeah, and you can also tweet at us at Sandmansalon or on Instagram at Sandmansalon. We are not Sandman scholars. No. We are fans. We're just super And we're, we're nerds. And we, we love learning about the stuff and seeing the cool things that we find when we give a good comic a deep look. Mm -hmm. So if you are noticing something or thinking about something or curious about something or know something that we don't. School us. At us. Yeah. Um, you know, just be nice about it. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're, we're something not, we totally have to say. Yeah, we're not, we're not in this to like get into internet fights. <laughs> But we want to have a good time. We, no, want, to, we want to talk to not. people about the ideas that are in play. Which is what a salon is all about. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So so the first question we're asking to the greater salon is like, what size... What's, what, what, what's what, a crawfish versus a crawdaddy? Yeah. And which of those is this? And, and his sack, like, it really looks like lobsters to me. These look like, well, they're curlier than lobsters. They're definitely a crawfish or a crawdaddy. Craw yeah, crawfish shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they seem. Weird. I think crawdaddies are bigger. I, I guess if you are a, a, an alligator god, <laughs> you can kind of just like, <laughs> you know where to go for mm -hmm. the biggest crawfish. The biggest, baddest. Yeah. So. So the next page is probably my favorite it's, of this issue. It's the scene from the party. It's yeah. It's showing different party scenes. It's one party, but there's a lot going on. In the top panel, it looks like the dancers are doing a form of capoeira, um, which is a Brazilian dance. And well, it's it's a it's a martial art and a dance, mm -hmm. and it was developed by uh, slaves so that they could practice fighting but make it look like dancing. Mm. There's a great Bob's Burgers episode about it. <laughs> I want to say, I, I, I think I'd heard of it before, but I, I, I learned most of what it I know about It is incredibly hard. I took a Bob's few Burgers. capoeira classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is incredibly hard. Yeah. It uh, and beautiful when yeah. it's done right. Yeah, it's, I was not doing it right, but. Well, you know, you just, you just started your capoeira <laughs> saga. <laughs> and then so the middle panel is um, sort of like the... Um, it's the older folks at a at a party at any get together. The aunties and the and the uncles who are dancing. Yeah, they, getting down. They're all really smartly dressed in suits and ties and cigars and shades and mm -hmm. nice and hats. umbrellas. Yeah, they look really classy. Like these are like really sharp old folks. It's a get down. Yeah, the drummers are near them as well, so they're kind of mixed into the same. Mm -hmm. Party. It's a melange, to yeah. use another French word. It's true. There are music bubbles in all the three panels. Mm -hmm. I can't tell if they're supposed to be listening to the same music. I tried to Google the lyrics from these, oh, these words, and I, I, I couldn't figure out what song 
they were supposed to be from. But, but the last one is a children's... A children's rhyme. Children's the, rhyme. Yeah, the, the third panel shows a bunch of little kids who were also in the party, and you see them in the in the first page, in the first big party shot where you see this, this whole interior with all the go-go dancers and everything. These children are in there. They're kind of in the far... They're far in the back, in the middle. Oh, yeah. Holding hands in a circle, mm-hmm. and there's a girl in a wheelchair circling around them. Kind That's, of a ring around the rosy kind yep. of thing. Yep, and they're, they're singing the song, I lost my glove on Saturday night and found it on Sunday morning. I called my friend up on the phone and told her I found it. I'm not sure how that song goes, but it's, an, it's a rhyme that's meant to be used in kids' games kind of like Duck Duck Goose or musical chairs. So, like, kids in a circle and they sing this game, someone runs around the outside and kind of taps or selects someone who chases them, and then someone will lose a seat. I think it's an interesting choice as, like, there's this sense with the kids that we're watching and the girl in the, the wheelchair are, is playing it like she's the one who's going around the circle yeah which I think is I, it's completely integrated yeah and I, I feel like she's distinct enough mm-hmm. that we're gonna meet her this girl in a wheelchair because ah. the kids the kids back in the real world the sisters who Razuli is actually peering in on through her mirror right now in the next page they're starting to spread rumors about people well they're playing telephone yeah you but play they, telephone mm-hmm but also, Lumi is on her phone texting people rumors already about her friends at school. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we just saw them in this party, in dreams. Or at least they're distinct enough to make me think that we're going to meet these kids. That's my theory. Yeah. Or else I don't understand why they would be at Rizuli's party. In the borders of this page, the borders, again, are drawn beautifully. There are vines mm-hmm. and, and flowers over the top two mm-hmm. frames. And in the bottom frame, there are these big brown eyes. I'm assuming they're meant to be kind of Urzuli's eyes mm-hmm. that are... All seeing. All seeing, that are overlooking this group of children playing. And she's also looking into her mirror and looking in on our sisters. And this line kind of cracks me up. The image in her mirror is sort of fuzzy, like it's, like it's on TV, and she mm-hmm. says, what's jamming my signal? Isn't this mirror probably like thousands of years old? Like, like it, that there's I, a technological. That, yeah, like does she just like whack it or something to like get the signal? I, I, I found that a little odd, um, and kind of funny. And so it's a disturbance in the force. Yeah, it's a disturbance if we're going to use that kind yeah. of thing. And then again with the panel transition, mm-hmm. those lines um, along the left side I, look like visual static in a way yeah. that like moves into it. And then as we go to the next series of panels below. Urzuli's locks are under. Yeah, the the are flowing into the top border. Yeah, yeah the panel borders are drawn by her hair yeah. in a way that's just awesome. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Yeah. So this interference that she's seeing on her magic mirror, I'm feeling it's being caused by Shakpana. Shakpana, mm-hmm. who she soon mentions as her kin and right. as her nephew. So they're playing telephone. The girl's on the couch. Yeah, the sisters and Maggie. And it is this amazing multi-layered idea around it um, about what telephone is, about how... How a rumor can begin. How a rumor begins. And so the thing thing that got me all legion-like was when they talk about it as the game creates a brief, low-level, mutating contagion it's ordinarily harmless. And that's, I'm taking that from the show. They're talking about delusion as a contagion. Yeah. And madness. Yeah, insanity. Insanity. It's just like one bad idea 
that just gets out of hand and one person can believe a bad idea enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just can take over their whole mind or it can take and over take, take other over. people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how ideas are spread in that way and how ideas yeah. it's, can be infectious. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the idea too around memes, right? Is like yeah. that they're sticky and that... Yeah. That's why we call it going viral. Yeah, there's a there's even a note that hits that on the next page mm -hmm. when when we uh, we go back to Razuli as she looks in on the girls on the sisters. She's saying, "Who likes meme games?" Like she's trying to think of because she's saying that book. Where have I seen yeah. something okay. like it before? Right. So, so yeah. she's saying like she's trying to jog yeah. her memory. Right. Yeah. And then exactly. she's like, "Ah, I know who it is. Yes. It's Shakpana. Yes, exactly. Who Sorry. is her nephew? She puts it together really fast. I like that. But meanwhile. As she's doing that, <laughs> as she's thinking about what to do, we see these hands reaching from the TV Very set. Very poltergeisty. Yeah, totally poltergeist style. And they're reaching out towards the girls. Towards the girls. Are completely oblivious yeah, to what's going on. They don't seem to see it. And meanwhile, Lumi is texting her friends and spreading rumors. And I, I feel like that's sort of the root of it and what is stirring this elder spirit. Well, what I think is, he's trying to get through to get his book back. Yeah. You know, like, because he's like, this shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be in the mortal realm. Yeah, that's um, true. You're right. It's a book that he never actually wrote. Even though they call it part. his journal. Yeah, it's his journal, but only in his mind. He never actually wrote it. So it's sort of like his dream, his fantasy of this book is now a real thing in the real world. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. Like, it's sort of crazy right. even to a god. Right. He never wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he's kind of, I, I have a feeling he's kind of freaking out. Right. Like, from his other whatever realm he's in, he's alarmed. Right. And so Razuli comes off her throne. She's like, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. Gotta go figure it out. She's like, enough party for me. My person tail is now fishnetted. Oh, Get yeah. it? Fishnets. Fish. Water. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> looking. looking back over the party scene in the beginning, like, all of her go-go boys are in fishnets. So, and like, high heels. Yeah. Oh, those mm -hmm. high boots. Yep, they look so great. Good. But there, there's a lot of fishnet action going on. Lots. I guess it's uh, I guess it's Fish, her, her motif. Nets. So her her fishtail instantly transforms into mm -hmm. fishnetted legs, and she walks out into the party to start talking to more dreamers mm -hmm. to get clues and information from them. This is the coolest thing. Yeah. Like so, she's bringing up people from their dreams into her dream, Actually. and so she's asking uh, this beautiful black woman w who is very pregnant. Uh, she says, T "Tell me some here, some hearsay." Her name's Micheline Parker. Maybe she's gonna yeah. be a recurring character. Yeah, Urzuli's way of finding her nephew, who is this god of rumors, is to just sort of listen to people and hear what kind of rumors they are hearing. She calls it calibration and triangulation. It's so tight. So cool. Oh, I love it. I love She's it. She's like, if I find out all these, like, who's saying what, where, then I'm going to know where he is. She hears these rumors from people. They don't seem to really mean much to me. Like, they seem kind of random. They are. Like, I feel like we don't need to even get into the details of what she hears, but they help her kind of figure out where her mm -hmm. nephew is. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, to. again, super, super queer. They, the pregnant woman, they return her to her sleep to her wife's side, Aww. who is the, um, the woman with the cool purple and pink hair, who could be Asian, again, not white, mm. um, does not look white. But the coolest thing, and this is what really stands out to me about why you need a black artist uh, for a black story um, and a black writer for mm -hmm. a black story. Um, she is 
they're returning her to her body who is sleeping um, and she has her hair wrapped yeah um, and there was Spike Trotman of Iron Circus had this amazing Twitter thread recently that I'm gonna post the link to she goes into so Spike goes into this whole thing into uh, let me give you just a really brief history of black hair and yeah. if you're writing a black character you need to understand a little bit yeah. about black hair yeah. so it goes into this whole thing I, I actually read that whole Twitter thread and yeah. learned a lot we should totally post that I, her wrapping I, I her hair that too. at night right so like, I, I, to preserve it I would not have recognized how important that is without that Twitter thread exactly and they also have two cats yeah <laughs> they do have two oh, cats yeah, how... lesbians <laughs> Dogs, lizards, no? I don't know. I guess not. I think it's just uh, they have a high pet ratio <laughs> of humans to animals. So yeah, there's there's so much going on in this episode. It's almost it's hard. I feel like this is the hardest sort of walkthrough we've had so far. Yeah. With, uh, because there's so many so much ideas at play and so many things that feel kind of random that I. I have a hard time figuring out how to thread them into the narrative in a, a recap because there's so much going on and we don't really understand much yet. <laughs> but that's okay. It's a fun feeling. It's good to feel this sort of uh, good confusion. Yeah, I just think it's super rich. It just makes you go and do your research. Yeah. Um, or read it a couple times. For me, it's about a reread and kind of just taking my time with it because mm -hmm. there's so much going on. Like the, every time you look through it, especially with art that's this rich, mm -hmm. you just see more every single time you look at a panel. Yeah. And you notice they have cats. And so Shakpana, in the next panel, we have, we're back to New Orleans and the sisters and Maggie. And Shakpana is black and white as if he is in a black and white television show coming out of the television into the world. So he is supposed to come into the world with an invitation from a host. He does not have that. And again, I didn't realize, I hadn't noticed it, but he's surrounded by these bacteria, yeah. paramecium, all yeah. these kinds of things. And he's dressed sort of like an old-timey scientist in like a long white lab coat and a, a, a tight suit, you know, yeah. a vest. Mm -hmm. And... And he's got great hair. Great hair. <laughs> great visual. A little and mad science, mad scientist-y looking. And so he, he tries to inhabit Latoya. Mm -hmm. He seems to try and put his spirit into her. Yep. And it doesn't go according to plan, <laughs> I think. Or like it he, doesn't work. Yeah. It like, doesn't work. Like she's suddenly aware of this kind of presence in her body. And like mm -hmm. she, it, I think in her mind, she sees the kind of bacteria all over her skin. Mm-hmm. Um, she ejects him. Yeah, she ejects him. Well, she's fighting him. Yeah. Like, he's trying to get in. Yeah. And she's fighting him yeah. until she's able to push him out. And yeah. he's very surprised that someone can do this. Yeah. She, so there's says, something very special about LaToya, too. Yeah, he says, that's weird. How can you know I'm here? Mm -hmm. Like, so she's sensitive to him on some level. Yeah. And we don't know why. And so meanwhile, back in her special realm, Rizuli is collecting more rumors from people. There's a camper on a mountain. Um, there's a homeless guy that she talks to. And then a woman who is in a, isn't in a setting that seems noteworthy. She's going back to uh, a bad place. Yeah. We know that much. Yeah. She may be a trans woman. Maybe. I'm kind of reading that. Just please don't make me go back home. Um, yeah. That's... She seems reluctant to go back to her waking state. Right. Even though she's being led back into a nice-looking bedroom. Mm-hmm. Again, 
again with the materiality doesn't equal happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but meanwhile, when the homeless fellow is shown back to his his sleeping state, Alter Boy says, "Keep warm, Greg. I'll bring you a sandwich tomorrow." I thought that was such a nice little note. Helps sort of establish Erzuli and her her crew as a force of good in in this world that, that seems like it can be super super cruel. There's a lot of despair going on, and this is another one of my favorite lines. Is Uncle Monday asks her about her mirror, and he asks, "Your mirror shows the future too." She says, more like the zeitgeist. And yeah. sometimes I use it to check my lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. I love that line, too. So fun. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's a great way to think about it, too. Like, a mirror that can check the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Which is such a... Like the pulse yeah. of what's going on. I feel like that ties really wonderfully into trying to track the movements of a rumor spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, someone who's sort of, like, uh, messing with collective consciousness. Her mirror can kind of feel where his effects are. And her um, mirror, so then her mirror rings, and the woman who she's talking to, uh, she's like, it's for you. <laughs> and it's Shakpana in the mirror, all twisty, elastic manny. Yeah. Um, yeah, having been forced out of Latoya's body. Right. Like, she, she kind of, she says, get the fuck out of me. And... Her sisters, they don't, they can't tell what's going on. They can't see it. I don't think no. they can see it. Shakpana is whooshed out of her body and back into the TV set. And back into a bad place because he asks for help. Yeah, he doesn't seem to like what's going on either. He seems like he's trouble, but he doesn't seem like an evil kind of spirit. He's just kind of trouble. They talk earlier about how when Shakpana is around, it's sort of a culling the weak from the strong. But he's not malevolent. Yeah, it's just sort of that's the function he performs for Mm -hmm. the human race. Yeah. He challenges them in this way like a plague. Except a plague of misinformation that... And maybe, like, that's the most human thing of all. But it also, like, I feel like that could lead to a true plague, a literal plague. What makes epidemics explode is ignorance and misinformation Mm. and and fear more than almost anything else. Right. Right. Even in old days, they would blame plagues on one thing or another when really it was Which is a lot. Which Always you know, was, a lot about witches. Yeah, when really it was just... Or the f- devil. Fleas or something. <laughs> um, but yeah. meanwhile, people were slaughtered as plague carriers when they right. should have just been, you know, hosed down or something. A place where this is extremely apparent was with the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. How it was... Um, no research went into it. It was ignored. It was seen as just... A gay. It was the gay plague. Mm-hmm. That's what they called it. Yeah, the gay plague. And so it was like, who cares? It's the gays mm-hmm. killing themselves off. Yeah. I mean, there were journalists talking about how you get AIDS from toilet seats or mosquito bites. Mm-hmm. And these were rumors and misinformation that probably led to the deaths of lots of people. Yep. And, uh, definitely. So that's, that's definitely hitting those notes for me from yeah. this comic. Yeah. Um, that the god of rumors it seems to be surrounded by plagues. Latoya collapses to the floor after the spirit leaves her, and the girls run to her side, but we don't really see what happens next from them. It snaps back to Urzuli. She's showing her mirror to one of the dreamers to try and get a rumor from them, and the dreamer says, it's for you, and turns the mirror around, and you see Shapana, all twisty and turny, being swirled around in whatever realm he's been trapped in after being zapped back into the TV. He's reaching to his auntie for help, and she reaches into the mirror to help pull him out. And both Uncle Monday and Alter Boy are telling her not to do it. This seems like a bad idea. And so they connect, Shakpana <clears throat> and Urzuli connect, and a huge thing happens. 
she says right here, she says, Shakpana, qu'est-ce que tu fais? Which is, what are you doing? Which I think is interesting because it's something, she thinks of it as something he's doing yeah. rather than what happened. It's what are you doing? Yeah. After she reaches in, after she grabs his hand and his hand comes out of the mirror, it looks like complete chaos mm -hmm. is unleashed in her home. It's sort of, so this, this panel is a little hard to understand what's going on. It looks like there's a giant vortex that opened up. It does, yeah, because on the next page we see this swirling thing, mm. but it also looks a lot like a hurricane, which mm. is very important for Louisiana. Yeah, you're right. It's It looks like kind of a giant swirl of chaos. Uncle Monday is thrown against the wall. Everyone else in the room is sort of collapsed on the floor. Everything's knocked over. There's a, a giant black vortex on the side that seems to be sucking the party goers in. Um, I, well, the whole drums. book, I think, because what happens is, is we see it in this, uh, yeah. in a tree with all these roots and you know it's unclear whether it's uh it looks like mud again like i think there's a lot of hurricane destruction imagery here yeah. uh one of another one of my favorite panels uh where it says it's multicolored splash <laughs> on the side and uncle monday is falling through it in this liquid fashion yeah that's a great lettering oh uh, so yeah. good i find the sequence confusing just like it's funny, in, in this comic, and in the previous one, in the Dreaming Number 1, I feel like there, there's so much, there's such commitment to storytelling and character interaction in these great, like, it's, the character work is so spot on that when it comes to doing, like, a big action sequence, it's sort of, it's not as clear. I feel like uh, these artists aren't, it's not necessarily their bag. Hmm. I, I find it, like, I I find it, it a little like, confusing. I don't know if it's... I, I think it may be. Um, it might be intentional because I think that the idea is these are moments of chaos. Yeah. And so it's not like an action sequence in a movie where it's like, oh, we see the boat and mm -hmm. it swirls around. And like, so it's when you're talking about a rip between... Worlds. Dreaming worlds. Yeah. It's going to be messy. Her gorgeous houseboat is sloshed into a whole new realm. Back to the dreaming. Abel is making a green model or gaga oil. And they're kind of just like talking their regular stuff. No one's being murdered. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Uh, and there's this big splash outside. Abel peers out the window and says, I think there's a river there. Kane's like, that's impossible. You're an idiot. But then we see over their house, amazing giant mansion boat mm -hmm. that's now being kind of suspended <laughs> it's by... It's so hard to describe. How do you describe it? It's a giant, huge tree that's grown up grown into, through the boat. Through, yes. That is now holding the boat That looks aloft. very much like a hand, which is super cool. Yeah. A gnarled hand. This tree is holding this giant house mansion up above the House of Secrets. So basically, Urzuli and her crew and everything that was going on in this party boat has just been and we see forced the, into the dreaming. Right, and we see the crack in the dreaming. Yeah, so there's this big crack in the dreaming above, but it looks as if this houseboat has been lifted up from below by a giant tree. Well, I think I, of it as kind of like a melding. Like, it's like there was a tree in the dreaming, and then the boat comes in, and yeah. so it's like this violent intersection. It's confusing to me still. Like, part of me almost thinks that the houseboat fell through the crack yes. onto the giant tree. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what I think. Okay, see, I yeah. kind of thought the tree grew up with the boat and kind of like grabbed the boat from another part of the dream. Oh, that could, dream world that could be and kind cool of lifted too. it up. Either one. 
Yeah. So yeah. E- either one. Maybe they'll elaborate on it later in the series, <laughs> exactly what went on in this kind of in this scene. But, but now Urzuli is in the dreaming. In the dreaming, hanging out over Cain and Abel with her fancy new house over theirs. I don't know if this is what's going to become the House of Whispers uh, because it's next to the House of Secrets. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like if it's if it's a comic about the power of rumor and of the perversion of ideas, mm-hmm. and Shakpana, if he's been brought out into this realm. Into the dreaming. Yeah. Although but we he, don't see him come through. That's true. We don't actually see him come through. Yeah. We see Urzuli grab his hand. Right. But he's not we necessarily don't see him in, in this world. Right. But we don't really know what this means or like what really went on here. It was just pretty crazy. I hope everybody's okay. I hope that like Alter Boy isn't dead or something stupid like that. Because like yeah. these characters are all great. And I, I'm Please excited. Please don't get rid of them. Really. Yeah. And even Shakpana, like he's neat. And I, I want to see him. Oh, yeah. Do more. I, I I like the idea of exploring the notion of of misinformation and what it can do to people's imaginations and minds. Yeah. Via the dreaming, I think that's a really cool. Oh angle. yes. And it's it's just so f- full of possibility. And I don't think we mentioned it before, but the name of the issue is Broken Telephone. Yeah. Ooh. I was so surprised that it came. It circled back into, I guess, the Sandman universe so quickly. Mm. It was a surprise to me to see Cain and Abel. Yeah. But also delightful. Yeah. Just a delight. I feel like they would run the risk of making this book feel a little too disconnected if it didn't have at least one or two familiar faces in it. Yeah. But honestly, Cain and Abel aren't really my favorites. Like, they're kind of neat. But well, like, we were so we were saying that they are the token white guys in they, this. They are. And I have a joke. Oh. Okay. So, Lord of the Rings. Uh huh. Andy Serkis uh-huh. and um, who plays Martin Freeman and Martin Freeman, uh-huh. right? Not a, they're in Lord of the Rings. They also happen to be one of the few white folks in Black Panther, mm-hmm. and so they are the, the Tolkien, Tolkien white, white guys. guys. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's it. My favorite joke it's a, right it, now. It's a solid for joke. For all time. It always makes me happy too. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we got so yeah, who knows where this is going now. Ugh. I I I'm assuming the next issue is gonna be a lot of like fallout of like characters in the dreaming being like, What's going on? I honestly but, have not been this excited about getting into single issues in a very long time. Yeah. These are dense. These like, are dense. There's a lot of content. Yeah. Like, like, it takes a while to get through it, and then rewards rereading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very satisfying. It's it's an enjoyable read that feels like a much longer issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many th- directions that it's going. It's I'm, Super Sandman. Yeah, like it's, it's Super, Super Sandman. Sandman. Yeah. For everyone who has these dumb ideas about how stories that are centered around people of color are somehow specialized and somehow not able to be universal. Like, Mm. this just blows it all out of the water. Yeah. Like, it's so well integrated. It's part of the universe. It's a part we hadn't seen before in Mm. the 90s. Yeah. But it is... It's it's like it always was part of the universe. Yeah. I mean, something that I always loved about the Sandman was it was super... Anglo-ish. Yep. Anglo, very Anglo. Ang- Anglo. Ang- <laughs> As an English dude. Yeah, Anglo, Anglo-angled. It was know. the time. It was sure. Alan Moore, you know, yeah. like. And, and like, it, is, it was what it was. And it, it had some diversity in it. And definitely, it was inclusive in all sorts of ex- exciting and interesting ways for mm-hmm. what it was. 
and it would look to uh, the mythologies of other races in other parts of the world mm -hmm. and kind of look in on them and yeah. just and they would give them nods and be like you know yeah. we're looking at this pantheon of characters in this story it but was eurocentric it was I eurocentric. mean I think we can definitely say it. that yeah it was definitely eurocentric but it never acted as if that was the only thing it was just like That's this true. is the story that we're looking at I think it did acknowledge that there were these other pantheons that were huge that we just weren't really like learning much about. Nalo Hopkinson was such a smart choice. She is steeped in this mm. Afro-Caribbean mythology. I mean, she is Afro-Caribbean and she does speculative fiction. So it was like, she was perfect, perfect, perfect. Yay, and it seems like she knows how to write a comic. <laughs> she knows how to write a comic. Woohoo! Just so exciting. Whew. <laughs> yeah, it's a relief. It's a relief. I mean, I, whatever. I wasn't actually worried. I'm I, honestly, I'm always worried. I'm always worried when someone mm -hmm. who doesn't write comics writes comics, because yeah. experience has shown me that I have been let down in the past. Yeah. Uh, Not everyone even, can do it. And even comics writers can phone it in sometimes and like be super <laughs> you disappointed. Think? Yeah. So like, it's really nice to see like the series is two for two. Like they're really yeah. they're kind of bringing it. Yeah. And these writers are writing really robust stories that feel adequate for our expectations. It says that it's curated by Neil Gaiman, yeah. and so I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. I'm and, just going to give it to him. And we don't really know what that means in curating, like, <laughs> like, in terms of, like, is he curating their content? Is he, like, is he sort of editing or, like, got, I think he's helping shape the stories somewhat. I think he might be. Um, I feel like curated means he chose, you know, he chose the, the dream team, you know? I guess so. Like, and, and maybe the editor's Obviously, there's some editing involved, um, always, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyone knows maybe the editors pick the artists, too, or, like, I don't, I don't know the what went into cooking these books up, necessarily. Right. Maybe we'll find out more as we go, like, hopefully we'll get to know these creators a bit. Yeah. Like, we're just, they're kind of new to me. I'm looking forward to finding out more about them, and if the comics keep going, I'm sure we'll get... Uh, oh, they're we'll, going. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll hear more from them about their process and how they got into this whole project. Yeah. And I, th I think that could be super cool. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll hear about if they got to hang out with Neil Gaiman, if he whispered <laughs> secrets to them about how, about the dreaming that, that they're not supposed to tell, but we can maybe find out from them. That's, that's oh, yeah, that'll I definitely happen, Josh. They'll <laughs> definitely come that's on our podcast and be like, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to tell you this, and it's not like DC had me sign an NDA or anything, <laughs> and it's a total spoiler. Who are Dora's parents? <laughs> Who is Dora? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exclusive. Yeah. No, Josh, okay. that's not gonna happen. Fine. But you know what? You can dream. Oh, uh, right, I can't. Like. <sighs> All right. Well, well, this was amazing. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, and this was a solid issue. Solid, solid, solid. Yeah, Highly recommended. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our recap. I feel like it was a bit loopy, but just this comic was kind of. I had a lot going on, and so we much. we just read it like an hour ago. So I think our brains, our, our deep intellectual brains. <laughs> are still busy processing a lot of the things that we are reading and seeing. Again, so. it's just like what we love about the Sandman is it's a trip. It's a journey, whatever, you yeah, know. It's a trip, man. It's Well, I was thinking of it in both words, you know, like both as it's a trip, man, and also it's a journey. Yeah. And yeah, it, it blows up your mind. Yeah. yeah. And I am curious to see how they roll these stories together when they, mm. when they cross over. As we, you know, we're, we're a little apprehensive about the whole crossover potential going on here, and, and it could kind of lessen the individual impact of, of these unique stories. I'm cool but, with the I'm cool with it 
obviously intersecting within the Sandman universe. Yeah, I have faith that they'll do it well. I I have faith that they'll do it well, and I actually don't even mind. Mm. (laughs) You know, we'll see what happens with Lucifer and Books of Magic. That's true. Um, We're holding our breath for next month's comics. Yeah, as those those two were were, we were less psyched about, but Mm -hmm. but they could still be good stories. So we're we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's time to brush up, brush off those old ones. Yeah, we'll have to maybe get uh, get some other voices into chat Lucifer and Books of Magic as well. Hopefully that people who are, are deeper fans of those series than, than we might be. We're also just going to do a fresh read of them and see how they make us feel and what they what they make us think about. For sure. And hopefully we'll be somewhat entertaining in the, in the process. <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah. Always entertaining. Always extremely entertaining. And so we will continue the conversation on Instagram at Sandman Salon, mm-hmm. Twitter at Sandman Salon, Facebook at The, at San- the, Sandman, the Salon, Sandman Salon, on Gmail at the Sandman Salon at gmail.com. Yeah, so we're just getting our, all of our social stuff set up, but mm-hmm. please give us a follow, give us a like. If you've listened to this podcast and enjoy it, please say so. Follow us, comment about it, let us know what you think. We are excited to be sharing ideas with all of you. Au revoir. Au revoir. Mon cher. <laughs> I brush up on my French. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like if this. I'll if, be back with some yeah, better French. Yeah, if House of Whispers is going to have this much French in it, we should probably uh, we should brush up too. May we? If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a follow and tell your cool friends about us so we can all hang out.